there's a lot of fear that's being promoted right now. And it's, mm-hmm. it's either selling more commercials or sensationalizing, you know, turning to whatever channel. And this conversation is not about that. The conversation right. that we're having is really more about proactive planning because, you know, as well as I do, somebody that's under the age of 50, the, the most likely way they're going to go is something like this, or it's an accident. Yeah. It's not going to yeah. be a, a very horrible chronic disease unless you already are far advanced. And so for most folks that are listening to this, the message is clear. It's like, guys, look, you never know when something like this is mm-hmm. going to happen. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Andrade with the Solving Healthcare Podcast. And as you know, within the Solving Healthcare Podcast, we try to find companies that are positively influencing healthcare. But as you're aware, the world has been put on hold with this COVID virus. And I wanted to introduce some content and some speakers that may not be innovating healthcare, but they can certainly provide a ton of value to you and your employees in in their time of need. So today I have Andy Dunham. He is an attorney in the Sugarland area, and he focuses on estate planning and the needs of folks towards end of life preparation. Welcome, Andy. Thank you. So the message for today isn't so much about why you need to have a will and the benefits of estate planning. And obviously, we're going to need to talk about that. But for our audience, it's kind of a change in the focus and that what I want to do is be able to add value as to what you might be able to do, answering basic questions about what is a will, why it's important, and heaven forbid something bad happened to you, what can you do to reasonably protect yourself and your family? So. Andy, would you mind introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about how you started your practice? So I've been licensed in Texas since 2005, so it'll be 15 years coming up November. I used to work for a general practice firm. We did some estate planning, but we also did some litigation and that sort of thing. And I've been there eight years and the litigation was not a good fit for me. I was miserable and my wife was miserable living with me. So she kind of told me you need to find something different to do. And so I thought about, you know, and I've always enjoyed doing the estate planning and probate work. I feel a sense of service doing that. I feel like I can help out folks. And, uh, you know, I was driving to work one day and a friend called me up and gave me a referral for something. And I thought, well, maybe I could have my own law firm, you know? And so I called Jennifer, my wife, and said, what if I just went out on my own? And she said, can you make enough money for us to pay the mortgage? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and so uh, we <laughs> we gave it a shot and uh, it's been almost five years now and uh, we've been able to eat. And uh, yeah, but it's, that's kind of how I ended up where I am. And Well, Andy, knowing you the way I do, we've been personal friends now for at least three years. And I have to say, you're being very modest. I know that you <laughs> you protect your family very well. And I'm sure that when they eat, you're not eating top ramen. So thank well, you for yeah, being yeah. modest, but also thank you for what you do for the community because you support the community in more than just estate planning. So obviously with the preface being around what we can do to protect ourselves, Andy, can you tell us very simply, what is a will? So uh, basically, it's, will is just your last wishes concerning your property. So you know we're all going to die one day and uh, most of us will die hopefully owning something, <laughs> some, whether it's real property or some financial accounts or things like that. And a will just gives you the chance to decide who do I want this property to go to when I pass away? You know, it could be kind of your basic thing. It goes to a spouse or it goes to some kids. But, you know, if you want to do something different, put it into a trust or if you 
maybe got a black sheep kid that you don't want to have a full share of your estate, whatever it is you want to do, you're the one in control. You've got the right to do that and decide exactly, you know, even charitable beneficiaries, whatever you decide how your property passes on when you pass away. So a will is literally just a rule book. You're creating rules for how you want your stuff to be distributed when you go, right? Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. But when you, when people think of assets, they typically think of things, right? Like I got a mm-hmm. house, I got a car. Sure. They don't think mm-hmm. of things like cash and things that really help your family survive when mm-hmm. the unthinkable happens, right? And mm-hmm. for a lot of people right now, I'm sure the 35,000 folks, a very substantial majority of them, probably never thought they were going to get this horrible condition. And, and if they did, they probably didn't think they were going to die, right? Sure. And so in the event you have stuff or people rely on you for protection, and that is, hey, just help keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. Without a will, how does that hurt people? There's a couple you know, different aspects to that. One is in a lot of your financial assets, especially you can designate beneficiaries on those. So say you have a life insurance policy. Most of the time you'll say, I want my spouse or my kids to be the beneficiary of that. And that'll pass outside of probate. So you don't always need a will to take care of those particular assets. So you do own some things that are in your name and you don't have a will. What happens in that case is the courts basically, Texas law will decide who gets that mm-hmm. that property or that money, whatever it is. And it will go to what we call your heirs. Now, your heirs are the people that Texas law says, get your stuff when you die. And because Texas is a community property state, sometimes that can get complicated because you may own some community property and some separate property, and that stuff goes to different people in different situations. So one reason a will is so important here in Texas is just for that community property aspect that things get complicated really quickly if you do die without a will and you do own some community and separate property. It may take a while to sort out who exactly that property goes to under Texas law. In my case, I have three kids. My wife has three kids. We're married, but we effectively keep our stuff separate, right? Right, right. So if I didn't have a will and I died, for her to get access to my cash, I would either have Mm -hmm. to have her on my account but even then, let's just say she wasn't and she mm-hmm. needed access to that cash. Without a will, that can be very difficult. Is that safe to say? Yeah, it really can. And and I think, you know, in your particular situation, you're what we call a blended family. So your kids and her kids aren't necessarily the same folks. And that can really add complication when it gets to the separate versus community, because if your kids are not all of her kids, then whoever's going to get that property can, again, it can just get complicated pretty quick. Yeah, but as I understand, and you correct me where I'm wrong, for, for her to get access to that cash, essentially she would have to go to the court, yeah. she would have to petition access for it, and then she would essentially have to be granted access to that. Is that fair? That's right, yeah. So under a will, you get appointed what's called an executor, but if you don't have a will, they call it an administrator. But basically, you have to ask the court to appoint you as the person to control the property and the estate. And if all the heirs are not in agreement as to who that should be, then you can get into what's called a dependent administration where the court's supervising everything you do, which can add time and expense to the process. And dealing with a number of these cases, it does make things a lot easier with the will, for sure. So in my case, let's just say I didn't have a will, I die. Mm-hmm. 
If my kids didn't agree that Tracy could be the executor, that could cause a problem. And then the court could say, all right, since nobody can agree, we're appointing somebody that's independent. Is that that's correct? That's right. Yeah. Most of the time what happens in that case is the court would appoint an attorney that they trust as a third party to come in and say, okay, you take control of the situation. You're the one that talks to the banks and whoever. And attorneys are legendary for not costing much money, right? So you can see how that could eat up the estate pretty quickly if you get in a situation like that. Yeah, but not only that, just the time involved. I mean, we're talking about, sure, unfortunately, sure. the the court system is a mess right now because it's just closed down. And I can only yeah. imagine when it starts back up again, if you don't have a will, you get in line. And it's a long line, I would imagine, where yeah. having a will may actually help advance or fast track resolution. Is, yeah. is that a yeah. safe yeah, that's a, one thing I tell my clients is a will gets you, put you in the express lane down at the courthouse. And so if your will is in proper shape, it's self-proved is what we call it. All you have to do is you have a very quick hearing. You and your attorney go down to the courthouse, spend about three minutes, judge signs the order, you're good to go. If you don't have a will, what's going to happen is the court's going to appoint an attorney ad litem to make sure that there's not any extra heirs out there that haven't been identified. So they've got to do their research to do that. You have to find two witnesses that know the family and the family history that can come testify to that. And then, like you said, it's going to push you back as far as getting your hearing set and getting everything taken care of. So, yeah, it can really cause a delay in time and extra expense. But I want to make sure I understand what you're saying is that the will essentially is a rule book. It's the rules that you allow your family, your heirs to follow. You give explicit direction. And the will also allows you to choose the referee. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the referee is somebody that can enforce your rules and Mm -hmm. make judgment as you wish within your rule book, right? Yeah, yeah. we call it the executor, and that's because they execute the game Mm -hmm. plan that's in the will. So that's a good way to think of it. So let me ask you a question. Somebody gets really, really sick, and they don't have a will. What are things that you Mm -hmm. can do that could be defensible in court? So one option that's always available in Texas... We recognize and authorize holographic wills. Holographic just means handwritten. So if nothing else, you can get a piece of paper, get a legal pad, whatever it is. The requirements are you identify it as your will. So just say, this is my will. These are my last wishes, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Sign it at the bottom and say what you want to happen in the middle. That is effective as a holographic will in Texas. Now you'll have to have witnesses that know your handwriting that can testify to all that. But that is better than nothing. So if you're kind of in a tough situation and don't have a lot of time, then that's one option is to do a holographic will and get that into probate if we need to. So a holographic will literally is just a handwritten will. And obviously somebody could question your mental capacity if you're literally Mm -hmm. on the way to the hospital, right? (laughs) Better than nothing. What I'm hearing you say is that's defensible, at least in Texas, right? Now, we're not giving legal advice, but we're saying, hey, look, it recognizes a holographic will as a will, so long as it says that it's signed and witnessed, right? It doesn't have to be witnessed, Stephen. It just has to be entirely in your handwriting, and then just says, this is my will, essentially. So as long as we can understand that that's your will, it's in your handwriting, and you sign it, then you're good to go. What would be some downfalls for that? I mean, obviously you could question the soundness of decision, right? Yeah. The real problem with those is that you're not an attorney, right? Usually if you're drafting that. So a lot of times people don't appoint an executor in a holographic will. They'll dispose of some property, but not all their property. 
and you may end up with what we call partial intestacy. So you've got some property that's disposed of under the will, but then you've got this other property that's not accounted for. And so that would still have to go under that airship procedure that we talked about earlier where you don't have a will. Okay. Okay. Understanding that airship without a will could be nasty, especially when you have multiple heirs and those heirs have children as well. That's a conversation that's in and of itself that that should be reason enough to have a will. Can you also talk through what is an advanced directive? Yeah, it's a good question. So advanced directive is, to put it in a crude way, it's the pull the plug, don't pull the plug document. Mm -hmm. And so what it allows you to do is you can make end of life decisions for yourself. And the thought is, we don't want to force your family to have to make that decision for you. If they don't know what your wishes are, would you want to be let go? Would you die gently, ease your pain? Or would you want to be kept alive as long as possible? So the directive lets you make that decision for your family. And so you can elect, yeah, just let me go. Let me die peacefully, which most of my clients go that route. But then some do say, no, I want to be kept alive, you know, as long as possible, no matter what. So let me ask you with this disease, is there anything within an advanced directive that you would say about this disease that's extraordinary? So the two triggering events for an advanced directive, you have to be declared either terminally or irreversibly ill by your physician. And irreversible just means there's no chance of improvement. Terminal usually has a time frame tagged on that. So yeah, within six okay. months, you'll die without care. So as far as COVID goes, I don't know at what point you would become irreversible on COVID, but it could potentially trigger the directive coming into effect, depending on, you know, your given situation, you know, how the, the disease has affected you. No, I understand. And actually, I read an interesting statistic about a week ago that people, if they're put on a respirator, mm-hmm. 80% of the folks on respirators don't make it. That's a wow. shocking statistic. But yeah. what I'm hearing you say is that's, that's not going to be the directive. It's still going to be up to the physician. When the physician says, hey, yeah, uh, right. there's no chance. And, and, mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention one thing that clients sometimes ask about and have some confusion about. As long as you have capacity, they're not going to take you off the machines. You know, So mm-hmm. you can still talk to your physician and declare your wishes. That's always going to prevail over what's in, in writing. So the directive is really only going to come into effect at the point where you can no longer communicate effectively with your physician. Mm-hmm. What it sounds like, you know, because the, the thing about this disease is how fast it spreads, right? And if you think about it, mm-hmm. um, we've already mentioned the 35,000 plus people that died. I'm sure a week prior, they were doing as fine as they would normally do, right? And so it seems that insofar as an advanced directive goes, it's the exact reason why you want to have one, right? If I become not myself and there's no chance of me surviving, I don't want advanced or heroic measures taken to keep me alive, right? Yeah. You know, one thing I always tell my clients, and I think this situation has highlighted that for me, is these documents are important, but they're not urgent, right, is is the way I characterize it. Because we all know we need wills and powers of attorney and directives, but life goes on and you get busy and you just don't get around to it. But you never know, right? You never know when something could happen. And I think that fact has become more uh, real for a lot of people just dealing with hearing about these stories of healthy folks that they come down with this. And the next thing you know, they're on a respirator or they're, they're not with us anymore. And so one thing that this situation has done for me anyways, is kind of reinforced the reality of that, that you never know when your time's going to come and you just want to be ready whenever that is. 
Yeah, and I agree. And you know, the thing is, is, is uh, there's a lot of fear that's being promoted right now. And it's, mm-hmm. it's either selling more commercials or sensationalizing, you know, turning to whatever channel. And this conversation is not about that. The conversation right. that we're having is really more about proactive planning, because, you know, as well as I do, somebody that's under the age of 50, the, the most likely way they're going to go is something like this, or it's an accident. Yeah. It's not going to yeah. be a, a very horrible chronic disease unless you already are far advanced. And so for most folks that are listening to this, the message is clear. It's like, guys, look, you never know when something like this is Mm going to happen. And are you prepared? This is one of the biggest gifts you can give to your family is that level of preparation. And you probably have some horror stories in mind about the length of time (laughs) it could take to protect and get what's due to a family because of not having a will. And could you share a couple of stories? It's a pretty timely question for me. You'd mentioned the courts being shut down. So Harris County is, is actually conducting some hearings by Zoom. And I had the opportunity to be on a Zoom hearing last week for a case that's been pending for over four years. I was appointed as the attorney at Lightham about four years ago. And this lady died with 15 children, 14 of which survived her. And there were some other issues going on in the case, but we had to find all the heirs, give them notice. And then in the meantime, people are dying off. So now we've got to find new people who are the children of those folks. And anyway, the bottom line is it took us four years to get everything ready to be able to go to the judge and finally have a hearing and say, okay, your honor, here are these heirs that are entitled to the estate. You know, and you can imagine the attorney's fees were running up that whole time and the amount of pie that was left to divide up amongst these heirs wasn't as much as it, it should have been. If everything had been taken care of properly, you know, so it, it can happen. You know, you know, families get frustrated and they have to wait for a long time, but that's just the court system we have and we do the best we can, but it can take a long time to get resolved. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is that having talked to you several times about this subject, one of the things that I think it's fantastic about a will is that you get to play mom or dad, right? So let's just say, you mm-hmm. know, you have a child that's going to be squeaky, right? Or the one that's just not going to be happy with anything. I couldn't even imagine you as an attorney going to 14 people you've never met and trying to figure mm-hmm. out who's the squeaky wheel and then trying to convince that person <laughs> right. that's never going to agree with anybody that this is the right thing mm-hmm. to do. You know, as the person that gets to direct what happens, you can essentially say, hey, look, you take it or leave it. And if you don't like it, so essentially telling your kid to clean his or her room, you clean your room, and if you don't like it, you're out. You don't get that yeah, often if you don't have a will. Yeah, there's there's a lot of tools and techniques we can use. One is a, a no contest provision, which is kind of what you were alluding to. So you can say, Jimmy, you're going to get whatever it is, $5,000. But if you cause trouble and come to court and contest the will, then you don't get anything. So yeah. that gives him some incentive to, to not cause trouble for the rest of the family. Or, you know, if you have a kid that you love and they're great, but they just don't do well with money. They've never done good with money. You can set up a trust for their benefit and have somebody else manage their portion of the estate for them, you know, distribute money as they need it or, or under certain circumstances, but you make sure that kid's not going to run off to Vegas and buy a Lamborghini with your, (laughs) their portion of the estate and blow it all within six months or something like that. So yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things I forgot to ask was about advanced directive and is a holographic one just as effective as well? Or can you give some insights for that? Yeah. So under your directives and your powers of attorney and things, you, you usually need to have a little more 
of the kind of formal statutory language that the, the hospitals or the financial institutions, whoever you're dealing with, are oh, yeah. looking for. There's places you can find those forms. Uh, the Texas Department of Health and Human Services has medical forms that you can download. And uh, it usually just requires a notary signature to make it effective or two witnesses. Either one of those works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're going to have more trouble trying to do like a handwritten power of attorney versus doing a will that way. Yeah, I understand. I understand. And actually, there's some free downloads. I went to, you just type in advanced directives, you get a lot mm-hmm. of free stuff from like AARP sure. and you fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any resources or do you know of any that if somebody wanted to just download a template of a will? Mm-hmm. I do get asked from time to time about like LegalZoom and stuff like that. Of course, LegalZoom is not free, but it is pretty inexpensive. Their forms are, are not bad. You know, I've, I've looked at a few of those on the back end and there's nothing wrong with the forms themselves. What I do find happens sometimes is they don't get executed properly. And that's another benefit of, you know, having an attorney to kind of coordinate things and make sure they get taken care of the right way. There's also a, a website called NOLO, N-O-L-O. And uh, I think they have various forms for different things that you can find. And I think they may be free. I'm not really sure. What I've typically found is when you use companies like a LegalZoom is that they get you in with the free, right? So they get mm-hmm. you to fill out all of that stuff. But in order to actually get it printed out, you've got to pay a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, that's, you're probably paying at least maybe more than half the cost to have somebody like you actually walk through the estate planning process. And for a basic will, it's not that expensive, right? Yeah. It's just kind of funny. I tell people you can pay literally anything for a will. <laughs> it seems like uh, depending on the attorney you go to, you can pay lots and lots of money or you can pay you know, a more reasonable amount. I, I try to charge what I think is a fair price for me and the client and you know, something I, I say, you know, real folks, real people can actually afford to get a will put together. And, and that's kind of the client base that I target more than, you know, I'm not necessarily looking to do a Bill Gates does a state plan for him. I just want to, you know, help out people as, as best I can. You know, with that in mind, understanding that some folks are going to have a will in place already. Like for me, as an example, it, it caused me to print mine out, take a look at it to make sure that if anything happened, this is what I really want to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, you know, if you're in that situation, I'm assuming you can do, a, at least in Texas, a holographic amendment. Yeah. And then have somebody like you amend it <clears throat> as needed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So we would call it a codicil. But yeah, you can always change your will. You can do that holographically. You can also do it more formally. And I've had cases where, you know, we had a basic will and then we had a handwritten codicil and we got both of those admitted to probate, no problem. And so that it can definitely be done. All right. Would you mind, Andy, uh, if you could summarize what are the key areas that you should be mindful of right now if you do yeah. not have a will? So the two big things on the planning side, what wills do for you is, uh, is your property and then your family. So Depending on what stage in life you are, one of those may be more important than the other. So if you're a younger person, probably the most important thing for you on a will is what's going to happen to my kids if me and my spouse both were in a car crash together, whatever it is. So you want to be able to set up, say, this is who I want to take care of my kids for me. And what you see, the default rule is it would go up to the grandparents. Well, that may not be the best case because maybe they're older, maybe they're not in shape to take care of young kids. So maybe you want your brother or sister or a friend or somebody. So the family planning side of things, again, when you're younger, that's kind of more important than as you get older and your kids grow up and they're out of the house and 
they're doing their own things. And hopefully you've acquired some property over time and mm-hmm. you get some assets to pass on. And so at that point, it's more, who do I want my property to go to? Do I want to incorporate some charitable beneficiaries into that? Do I need to set up a trust for one or more of my beneficiaries? Uh, do I want to pass some things on to my grandkids? Probably would put that into a trust as well. And so those big picture looking at, those are the two big things we look at, you know, the family side of things, what's going to happen to your kids, and then the property side of things, what do you want to happen to your stuff? So I guess to summarize, man, the, what I've heard is the handful of things that are crucial for you to consider. It's always better to have a plan than not have a plan. But in the event right. that you're just not sure, mm-hmm. a couple of things you can do. One, write it down. Right? Write it mm-hmm. down. Put in that this is a will. Sign it. If there's a witness, mm-hmm. that will probably add credibility to the process. Sure, sure. When it comes to advanced directive, you're not going to be able to exercise your will if you don't have one prepared in advance. Now, mind you, yeah. there's some simple things you can do. You can go to AARP. Mm-hmm. You can get free stuff for advanced directive. But in the event of an emergency, the best thing to do is prepare now. Prepare in advance of that emergency. And so right. I think we've given some decent advice. What I would say is if you're listening to this and you don't have a will, you need to find somebody like Andy. If you're in Texas, give Andy a call. If not, uh, he can't practice outside of Texas. But, but Andy, did I, did I kind of hit the highlights? And is there something else that I missed? Or did I miss something? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, one thing I kind of touched on, a lot of times if you do get admitted to a hospital, they'll ask you if you have your medical power of attorney and directive. And they may be able to do some things for you upon admission if you don't have those documents. So, you know, hopefully there's going to be some some yeah. way to take care of you in that situation. But like you said, it's always better to be prepared in advance because you never know the situation you may run into. What I would say is if you have a little extra time, write down like your family wishes and write down all of the stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, that'll sure. help people that want to talk with you. Your interview process is very thorough, but getting in that mindset, getting in that frame of mind will actually expedite the process. Yeah, for you, for sure. I know you have a general questionnaire that you ask, but how long does it typically mm-hmm. take for you to go from questions to actually producing a will? A great question. So ideally, I like to sit down with the client and go through the questionnaire together, but we can do that remotely through email or Zoom or whatever it is. And then once I get the information from the client, I can usually have the documents ready within two to three days. So it, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. And then I get it to the, the client to review. Sometimes that can be where the holdup happens. But, you know, if the client can review those pretty quickly, you know, potentially we could be signing documents within a week or two from our initial meeting where we gather the information that we need. So it doesn't have to take a long time. Andy, how do people get a hold of you if they want to talk to you? Yeah, I appreciate that, Mike. So you can call me. My number is 281-769-1685. That's 281-769-1685. You can also find me on my website. That's www.dunhamprobatelaw.com. Dunham is D-U-N and then Ham, H-A-M, probatelaw.com. Well, Andy, I appreciate your time. I appreciate all that you do for our community. I know that you're actively involved in many areas in Fort Bend County, and it's just been a pleasure to talk to you about this. I hope that you found value in providing this insight, and I know we're going to add value to folks in somewhere in some place. So thank you for all you do, bud. 
thanks, Mike. I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be on with you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you.